0: Uh, We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 this morning. And Paul is giving us some spiritual insight this morning. Now I'm going to get loud and I'm going to get proud about Jesus this morning. I almost turned the AC on because it's going to get hot in here. It's going to get hot in here and we're going to put on all our spiritual clothes. Y'all, some of you older people didn't probably get that. Anybody get that? Raise your hand if you understand what I just, yeah, okay. The little play on words there. I don't listen to that kind of music, but you know. We're in a time where we see so many Christians in spiritual warfare, and the church is defeated, and the church is walking around back in the corner in their spiritual walk. And that's not God's plan. And Paul is talking to us and teaching in Ephesians about spiritual warfare. Everybody likes to talk about the devil and how the devil's beating them up. And the devil this and devil that. The devil is not in hell. The devil is the ruler of this kingdom. That's why there's abortion and homosexuality. Yes, God is sovereign. But in this realm, because Adam and Eve gave it up. That authority, the devil is in this realm and you have an enemy. You think that you could just go to work, go to church, go to school, back and forth from life. And you could just think that you're just walking without any cares in the world. But I want to tell you that you have an enemy and he's looking to take you down. Now, the devil can only be one place at one time. He's not omniscient, which means he doesn't know everything. He's not, he's not omnipresent, which means he's not everywhere. But he has little minions or demons that he works with, fallen angels. And he has a plan to take you out if you're a believer. And I want to tell you in the time that he, he is so, uh, he, he, he's defeated, but he's got wisdom. And he's been watching you your whole life. Don't think that you could just go through life as a Christian and make it unless you're in his word and understand what God wants you to do and what you need to do, what the plan is for success and overcoming. Kevin prayed a great prayer this morning. I thought it was really good about the kingdom. We're in the kingdom, but some of us act like that we're not in the kingdom because we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus because we're not in the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, it's an emphasis, imperative. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. It implies that you cannot be strong without the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. The strength that we have as Christians in victorious living is being in Christ Jesus. Walking in sin cuts off the power. Walking in sin cuts off the fellowship. See, I got to stay under the spout where God's power comes out. I got to stay not only in fellowship with him, but I got to be where God wants me to be in obedience in my life. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. There is no strength outside of God's spiritual strength. I hope listen I hope listen please please listen to this this morning. Strength in the Lord. You will not survive in your walk with God if you are not in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well say Pastor Bobby I came down and I prayed a prayer. It's more than praying a prayer. It's more than confessing a prayer. It is walking in the Lord. We're going to look at it in just a second. You've got to walk in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Lord and the power of His might. Let's look at this. Turn to John chapter 15. I pray this morning that you stop fighting in your own strength. You can't do it on your own. You can't go to Oprah. You can't go to Dr. Oz. You can't go to all these different apps and, and hear from all these. You've got to go to God to find strength. Only in the Lord, being and standing in Christ will you find that. John chapter 15. And verses number verse number five. Jesus said, "I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit." How many people want to have a lot of fruit in your life? Fruit of the Spirit, serving the Lord. you want to be fruitful spiritually, not rich? Not things, but spiritually mature. Raise your hand. In him bears much For without me, you could do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he casts out like a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Did you hear that? Jesus himself says that if you're not abiding in him, abiding in the vine, that the branches are broken off and cast into the fire and burned. And there's a lot of people think that they're in the vine, but they're dried up because they haven't been in Christ. They're not in the word. They're not obeying. And they're dried up, and they're going to be cast in the fire. That's what Jesus said. Verse 7, But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you abiding in christ is abiding in his word when we are in his word and meditate meditate means it's it comes as similar to a cow cows have multiple stomachs and they'll, they'll they'll chew on some grass and they'll swallow it and then they'll 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 burp it up a little bit and they'll chew on it some more And then later on they'll burp it up some more and they'll chew on it some more as they're dying. And meditating on it is all day long applying the word to my life. For some of us that are struggling, if you haven't ever done this and you don't have the word, get three by five cards and put them in your pocket. Write down scriptures that apply to your life to help you be more like Jesus and meditate and roll in the word all day long. That's abiding in Christ. Abiding in the vine. He goes on to say this. My words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That's God's plan for your lives, to be fruitful. So you will be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Abiding in Christ is not only being in the word, but it's a life of obedience. If we obey him... Obeying Jesus demonstrates that I love him. It is easier to sin than not to sin. And when I don't sin and I choose God or his truth and I walk in the truth, I walk in the light, and I obey Jesus, it demonstrates and proves that I love him. Can I get an amen? We are living in a time where cultural Christianity says that if I don't like something, I leave the church that I come to church to get happy and make me happy and meet my needs. No, 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 no. You come to church to get fed, to go out to be a warrior for Jesus. Can I get an amen? You come to church to abide in his word and to walk in his love. Can I get a amen? amen. Obeying him, taking up our cross and following him. Turn over to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Page 1326 in my Bible. Jesus said as he died and he's getting ready to go away. And you know when you're getting ready to go away when someone's uh, never going to see you for a, for a long time, long period of time. Those, mo- those last words are most important. This is called the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Doesn't it doesn't say have them pray a prayer conversion. It doesn't say have them come to church and play patty cake and think because they come to church and they're members and they shake the preacher's hand or they sing on the praise team or that they run sound and audio, they're going to heaven. It's being a disciple of following. Going to all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. The word observe there means to obey. Everybody say Obey. Back to verse 11 of Ephesians. Turn back there in your Bible. Are you with me? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How do I stay in the Lord? And the power of his might is obedience to his word and staying in the word. The word power of his might in verse verse 10 is the power that overcomes and resists it. Its capabilities and strength in in the power, strong in the Lord and the power of His might is not fighting the battle yourself. It is through prayer, it is through trusting the Lord, casting your cares on Him. That word power means, it's not the same word in, the, in, in Acts where it's dunamis. It's a different word. It means it has to do, it's similar, but it has power of his might. Power that overcomes resistance. It means to have capabilities and strength. God inherits strength. Strength that comes from God. That as I'm in the Lord, God is giving me strength. Not that I'm strong, not that I'm rich, not that I'm successful, but that I make it in my spiritual walk when the enemy comes. That I can stand strong in the Lord. Can I get an amen? How many people here are in a spiritual battle this morning? Raise your hand real high. Oh, come on. All right. Where's the rest of you at? Come on. We all all in it, right? We all in it. We're all in it. Then he says this, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on. What is put on? Put on in the Greek is a very complex word, and it means this, put on. <laughs> I assume that everybody here, that no one here came today naked to church. So we all here know how to put on some clothes, right? We all got to figure it figured out that we know how to get dressed to come to church. When we go out to the grocery store, we know how to put on our jacket when it's cold outside. Can I get an Amen. And so it's putting, it's not, you know, people think, well, I'm, I'm serving Jesus. I'll, I'll pray in the spirit. I'll dance a little bit, and it'll just happen. No, you got to put it on. You have to purpose. When you get dressed in the morning, you look at your shoes. Well, the women look at their closet full of all kinds of shoes and go, hmm, today I think I'll wear the pink ones with my little, oh, no, that's not going to work. The tan with the blue. No, that's not going to Black. Okay, I just got, and that's, not, come on now. You chose and you, you made a, a clear decision. Oh, I'm not going to wear that sweater with that jewelry. Uh, my ears. No, I got, Come on now. You don't know talk about it. You made a decision of what you were going to put on. Every day you make a decision. And he's saying, We've got to put on the armor of God. Everybody say, Put on. Look at somebody and say, Put on. Look at it on the other side and say, You better put it on. Because he's tying it, he's tying it to spiritual success to make it it he's tying it to spiritual warfare against the devil because everybody here has an enemy and if you feel like you're about to drown spirit if you're struggling please listen to god's word today put on the armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil that word there means that if you don't you won't stand it means if you don't want the advice that Paul is giving that if you don't do it, you're not going to be successful. You will have 100% failure rate without Jesus. You will have 100% failure rate without Jesus. It's critical to our spiritual uh, survival to be able to stand. And it says against the wiles of the devil. You know, the devil... I'm by no means the devil's a scallywag. I'm not lifting up the devil today, but I'm just telling you, the devil's got a lot of wisdom. But the nations will look at him because every day he's living in sin and he's disintegrating. They're gonna say that's the one that causes us to stumble. But he's smart. He's got a lot of brains. The World War II there was a battle on D-Day. It was called it was called Operation Overlord. And what they did in Operation Overlord, it was actually a battle that was won through strategy. The enemy thought that we were going to attack from one place. And so we, we actually, we sent parachutes out, parachute dummy with fireworks in them. That when they hit the ground, they went off. And so the, the Germans sent all their troops to that side where, where, we, where, we were not, where we were not truly going to be. And it was actually strategy that won the battle. Well, you want you to know that the devil is the master strategist in your life. He's putting a roadblock in your life. Listen, everybody look at me. Listen. This is from God. He's putting roadblocks in your life right now to take you down. I got an email this week that says 15 apps that should not be on teenagers' phones. One of them was this this app called TikTok. I was so shocked I didn't even look up the other 15. Mom and Dad, I want to tell you right now, you are going to be held accountable by God what's on your kid's phone. And if they say to you, well, you didn't trust me, you're right I don't trust you because you're a child and I'm an adult and I'm holding you accountable. If you're not doing anything you're not supposed to, you're not going to care if I look at your phone. I want to tell you, there's no, there's no nudity on it, but it's the most perverse language that you can find. And I want to tell you, if you got TikTok on your app, on your phone right now, you need to, you need to get it off because it is the devil's tool in your life. There is no way you're watching TikTok and living for Jesus. There's no way you're watching all this stuff 24 hours, 7 days a week, and living for the Lord. It just can't. They're not congruent. They don't go together. Can I get an amen? So, Mom and Dad, please do your teen a favor. Give them accountability and look at what they're writing. Look at what they're putting online. The number of times, Mark, how many teenagers we know have sent pictures and done just stupid things through apps online. We need to be aware and protect our children from that nonsense. Come on now block it block it there's a lot of software that blocks it all be aware of what's going on say thank you pastor for saying that I had someone say well well my my son you know he just uh i trust him and he says i don't trust him if i look at his phone and i would say, well that's just stupid because he's doing something he ain't supposed to do if he can't let you see your phone. Because you know what? My wife could get on my phone, and you get on my phone. There's nothing on my phone that I'm, I'm ashamed of. But if my mama can't look at my phone, there is a problem. Well, you don't trust me. You're right. It's a principle of accountability. I dated, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm straying here a little bit because I'm laying on it because it's important. I, I dated a girl who, whose mom and dad were not Christians. But she was, had not ever slept with anybody. She was pure. She lived for the Lord Jesus. And she told me when we were dating, we dated for, for quite a while. And she said, you know what? She says, I never, I never ever was even tempted with sex or drugs or any of that stuff. Because I knew when I got home every single night, my mama was going to get in my face. And mama was going to ask me, what did you do? Did you drink? Did you smoke? Did he touch you? Did you mess around? She said, I knew every night. She said, when I dated other guys and they start kissing me, I'd see my mama's face. And it gave me strength to live for Jesus come on now she said i she said instead of seeing his face i'd see my mama's face and i'd say get your hands off me you dirty dog that's called accountability and accountability gives us strength because we know we're gonna have to answer to someone preachers will be held accountable to god for what we say we it's a principle that we need to apply in our families anyway amen or oh, all me pastor bobby but I'm just going to tell you that the, what's put in our kids' hands, these phones and the internet, uh, uh, you know, I went to eat with somebody recently and they said, Pastor Bobby, you've mentioned pornography several times in the last few Sundays. Is there a pornography problem in our church? And, and I said, no. But after thinking about it, I say, yes. Because no matter what, I'm not saying anybody having a problem in our church. That's, that's the other churches in town on the internet, right? But if we have access to it, we got a problem, because the enemy, no matter what you're on, is going to slip a picture in. Someone's going to send you a picture from work. Someone's going to send you this. They're going to say, "I'm just, just, the objectification of underage girls on the apps is a gross sin unto God." And boys, I, I want lady, young ladies, I'm tell you, if your boyfriend's watching all that stuff, he don't love you. He's objectifying you. He don't care about love. Doesn't objectify. It's not an object. Sex is pure and holy if you are married and have a lot of it. And in fact, it's sin not to have sex. Hallelujah. (laughs) Paul says, uh, right, it says you're putting your partner in, in a position of immorality, of failing. But if you are not married, it is a holy thing. It is set before God is a covenant when people have sex. So young people, please honor God. Don't slide in that. And, and by the way, I, as we give statistics, guys, listen, if you're looking at porn, they've proven scientifically it rewires your brain and causes problems down there later on. Now, see, I know people don't like pastors talking like this, but that's why the church has slid off and they've been deceived. But if we don't talk about it, who's going to talk about it? If I don't talk about it, they're going to hear about it from school. Can I get an Amen. And you're back there right now. You know you got all kinds of stuff on your phone. And you say, what do you do? First John 1, 9. Ask God to forgive you. And he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then you delete it from your phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on now. We've got to pull ourselves from the pit. We've got to protect one another from what the enemy is bringing. He is the master strategist. And he has put sin in our hands. He has put access by predators in our children's hands. In our young adults' hands. And what happened... What happens is if you go into marriage, Jim, you're a counselor. If you go into marriage thinking that sex in a marriage is like the porn that you're looking at, you will never have great sex in your, in your marriage. I cannot believe Pastor Bob was talking about, he said the word, he said the p- p- porn word in church. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, they won't raise their hands, but I guarantee you, if we were to be honest about it, every everybody here knows what I'm talking about. If you got a phone... Should I pray and close? (laughs) Is it time to go now? Verse 12. For we wrestle, which means we struggle, we fight. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, you got an enemy and he's the devil and he's got his little minions running around. That's what that means. And that we've got to be aware and not be, uh, not be blind or not be naive to the fact that we have an enemy and he's trying to take out your family. And some of you already know because you got loved ones that are on drugs, you've got people that have passed away from suicide, you got all those, and it's a warfare that's going on that we need to fight. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, which means able to resist in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand, which means to face and stand courage. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. How do I win the spiritual battle that is going on in this world? Take up the armor of God. Everybody say, take up the armor Come on, take up the armor. Now, just like James says, that I go to the mirror and I look at the mirror and I walk away and I forget what I saw in the mirror today. Please don't be offended. Repent. If I'm saying something that strings your heart, if it's by the Holy Spirit from His Word, just repent and ask God. Just make a correction. Say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. I agree with what your Word says, God. Just say, you're right and I'm wrong. I need to make this area of my my life right. But this aspect of withstanding, guys, has to do with making it spiritually making it in the world, be able to withstand, able to resist the enemy. If we don't take up the armor, we won't be able to stand. Did you get that? So I'm trying to prep you of the importance of what we're getting ready to teach, the importance that it is up here in our spiritual walk. So important. And that's done all to stand. It says do everything you can to face and stand with courage. And uh, let me give you a secret, everybody listen. Even when you get the armor on, you're still going to fall. Look around the room. See, there's not a person in here that's perfect. Isn't that good to know? Not even my wife. She's close to perfection. You know she's an angel if she has to live with me. <laughs> right? right? But look, look around. And, and, and you know what you do? You know what you do? All right, let me look at you and tell you something. You're not perfect either. hey teenagers hey hey your mom and dad aren't perfect either they made mistakes just like you make mistakes (laughs) pastor bobby why'd you tell my kid that because they already knew it they just act like they don't they've already got that figured out that you ain't perfect and that's the beauty of it, because they could see you repent. They could see you make things right. They could see you walk through failure and still love the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to have an example of that. What verse am I on? Oh, verse number 13. Verse 14, it goes on again. Stand therefore, it's a command of urgency, having girded your waist with truth. Girded your waist with truth. Before, before I wrote, this is so good, this is so good. This is not the truth of God's word necessarily, but it's in us. But the belt is what the armor hung on. They would put the belt on. I guess they probably had their long johns on, getting ready for battle. Right? So they're in the long johns. They put their belt on. (laughs) And then they hung their armor. All of the armor connected to the belt. It hung on that belt. And the the word here, when it talks about graduation with truth, it's the believer's integrity. Listen, it's, the, it's your integrity that your, that your armor is hanging on. Do you get that? It's your faithfulness and integrity. Being honest. Listen, if you're not going to be honest about the sins in your life, you're, 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 the breastplate of righteousness is not going to hang off the belt. But when I'm on, oh, it's so good. This is, man, the Word of God is amazing. It's amazing. The truth that's right here, don't miss it. That my integrity and my faithfulness, when I'm, when I'm integrous and I'm faithful to the Lord, what does that mean? That when Pastor Bobby's talking about that bad app you got on your phone and you're acting like it's not and you're justifying your sin, that's not being integrous. Oh, he just stepped on my toes again. I'm going over to that other church. It's about the sins in our life, Being honest. God already knows. <laughs> He's already got it figured out. You know that, right? It's a little scary to think about all the things that he knows that you've done when no one else was around, even when you picked your nose. <laughs> he sees it all. He sees it all. And so that belt starts off with repentance, being, having integrity and faithfulness to God, saying, God, you're right and I'm wrong. It is the belt that holds everything together. I think that is an incredible, incredible truth. Maybe it's just me, but I, I like it. Verse 4, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, Have you put on the, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate would go over the chest. It protects, and by the way, I realize we're passing the time. We're good, all right? The, hey, listen, if the missionary can go to 12 o'clock, surely the pastor can. It covers over the heart. It it protects the the breastplate. So hanging on my truth, hanging on being integrous, hanging on being faithful faithful to God's word and and obedient to God's word, uh, that truth aspect. Now the breastplate of righteousness is hanging on that belt. Righteousness is right living. We've come into a time where we are mocked for holiness and righteousness and righteous living every day. But it is righteous living, submitted to the Lord, that protects my heart. Come on. Amen. It protects my heart from what? It protects my heart from the enemy's attacks. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But righteous living, living continually in a place of confessing, trusting, protects my heart. Verse number 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, that is a little bit misleading, and we've interpreted it. And, and uh, some people say it's taking the gospel, but here's what some say. And I'm not a Greek scholar. I, I don't remember hardly any of my Greek from college and graduate school, but I know how to use it a little bit. It means to be able to plant your feet ready for battle. It's to, you know, you know what it's like, you're getting ready to, ready to fight, ready to withstand. It's that peace that allows you to fight. Fight who? The enemy. Not your wife, not your spouse, not your neighbor, but you're putting your feet in there, and you're grinding down, and you're able to, ready to stand. Say amen or owe me. Verse 16, it says, And above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Please don't check out. The buffet will still be hot. We're getting to the really good part. Some really good part here. Take up the shield of faith. It was the shield, the Roman shield, that protected them from fiery darts. And the shield had linen and then oiled leather on it. So that when the fiery dart would come and hit the shield, it would protect them. It wouldn't catch on fire. And what he's saying here, it is our faith, not faith in Oprah, not faith in man, not faith in apps, not faith in the doctors, not faith in the lawyers, not faith in, not faith in the president, President Trump, or whoever's running next. It. It's faith in him, trusting him, taking up the shield of faith in him is going to quench those fiery darts. When the battle is raging, it is faith in God and trusting him that will quench the fiery darts. See, we've been taught in America to lean on so many other things. Turn into Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. No, I'm sorry, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Verse number 4, by faith, Abel offered a gift, offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken away that he did not see death. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what is faith? It's saying, God, I believe you exist. I believe, and I believe that you reward me when I follow after you. And you can't think in, in American terms because it's not money. He'll reward us in other ways. God, there's so many other blessings that are better. And money's part of it, and, and he takes care of our needs. But there's so many things. Man, I'd rather my children be poor and serving Jesus than rich and, and running from God by faith faith means to believe it comes from the greek word pistuo. it also from the old testament it's a terminology that where where you would roll over on top of remember when you were when you were a little kid when you were uh when your children were little and you lay on the floor and your kids whenever you just if you just laid on the floor jamie this happened to you you just lay on the floor your kids come pounce on you maybe that was just my house maybe my monkeys did that i don't know right you got to be careful i actually blazed one time jumped on we had like one of these bouncy things that blows up in the house and he springboarded off my back into it and my back hurt for a year and a half but but my kids would also stand at the top of the steps and i'd say jump and they go Whoo! and i caught them most of the time <laughs> there were a few drops but most of the time i caught them why is that because they trusted me Because they knew I loved them. And they had faith and trust that daddy was going to catch them. They knew that daddy would do everything. And when we walk in our lives, as we're taking up the shield of faith, we got to believe not only that he exists, but that he's going to reward us as we're fighting the fight and pushing forward and quenching those fiery darts as we trust him. Now, you might be here this morning and you're going through a hard time. Can we just, just one second, just close your eyes. If you're going through a hard time, we just close your eyes. We are right now. And just lift up your hands. Lift up and say, and I believe. Father, I believe. Come on, tell God, you we believe, Jesus. Father, we believe in you, and we believe that you're going to reward us, that diligently follow after you, that you're going to take care of us. Say, you're going to take care of me in my circumstance. You're in control. You love me. And if you're here today and you don't know what it is to be loved by a father, come on, just lift your hands, and God will. He'll show you what true love is. Amen. Verse 14, stand before, there, therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, faith which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then it goes on, and says, take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Listen to me. The helmet of salvation. I know you've been sitting there a long time. I know it's a little warm, but sit up in your seat. I want you to hear this. There are so many people that think that just praying a little prayer. If you're here this morning, you say, "I'm not sure whether I'm a Christian." That you're not. You may be on that journey, and it's a journey. It's a process, and you got to keep pushing it. I'm not putting anybody, but it's a process. But there will come a point of faith and trust in God where you know that you know that you know. Can I get an amen? Because what happens when you get born again, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. There's no way you could have a washing of the inside and God Almighty come and live on the inside and not know it. There's no way you can have God on the inside crying out, Abba, Father, and not recognize the fact that you are born again and blood washed. take on the helmet of salvation and you say well i'm not sure i don't have that assurance that you need to get on your knees and seek the lord and pray and we'll pray with you but you need to seek him and keep confessing and keep confessing and reading his word can i get an amen and then it says lastly the sword of the spirit which is the word of god in my life in my experience i'm not just saying this because i haven't done it because i've done it i had i had pocket cards for many years that i i mean probably 30 years or more I don't know what happened to him in the move. I couldn't find him. I was trying to find him. I couldn't find him. But I, I'll write down scriptures. Whenever I go through a hard time, I write down scriptures. When Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, I'm not going to go there because of time. But he'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says he became hungry. That's when the enemy showed up. The old scallywag showed up. And he said, well, if you turn this stones into bread, and Jesus quotes scripture, If you do this, then Jesus quotes scripture. He uses scripture as the sword. It's your only offensive weapon against the devil. It's the only offensive weapon against the devil. If you don't know the word of God, you need to get some scriptures that apply to your life. If you're addicted to porn, you need to get get scriptures on righteousness and on sexuality. And you need to read them every day and put them to memory. And when the devil brings that old temptation, you need to speak it out. Amen. Amen. If you're depressed, you need to find scriptures that apply whatever you are going through. Find scriptures, and if you got to put them on three by five cars, like Pastor Bobby, because he's a little slow, and you got to put them in your back pocket and take them everywhere you go, that's what you need to do. And every time there's a temptation or a struggle, you need to quote that scripture, quote that scripture, quote that scripture, meditate upon that scripture, and stand upon his word because his word is true. Science isn't true. Your teachers aren't true. It is the Bible and the Word of God that is the only thing that does not change in this life. And the Word of God does not change.